Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the funny thing about yoga. I am Bradshaw. I am Bradshaw Wish, and I'm I here. Am yeah. Bradshaw Wish. <laughs> I am Bradshaw Wish, and I am 100% sure that I am Bradshaw Wish. And I'm here <laughs> with a girl that I think is 100% Gianna, Gianna Marie Gambino. Thank you. Thank you for saying my real middle name. It took you so long to stop calling me you know what. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> Anyone who's uh, a longtime listener will get that. <laughs> before we start, I want to remind everyone to rate, review, review, subscribe, or I will steal your social security number. So um, yeah. we got yeah, a good right, review. We, we did from who is the guy? Who is the person? Who's the yoga bro that uh, wrote yeah. a really sweet review? Because I will find you and I will kiss you on the lips and not not in, not in a weird way, in a friendship way. Um, thank you for writing us. A thank review. you. Yeah, we appreciate it. We haven't no, thank had you. one. We haven't had one in a while. It means a lot. Yeah, so keep them coming. Keep them keep coming. Uh, Gianna, do you have any announcements that we want to mention? Yes, we are going to Starved Rock July 19th through the 21st this upcoming summer. So it's a two-night, three-day retreat in the suburbs of the Chicago area. We'll be hiking Star Rock, the state park. We're going to be luxury glamping. There's literally like a bar in an airstream. There's a fire pit, s'mores. It's going to be great. So check that out. I know. Yeah, literally they bring you. Okay. So not only is there like one big group fire pit, but we all have our own individual fire pits at each of our glamping tents. Mm-hmm. Is that where and, you and I are going to do the ritual where we get naked and dance? Yes. And, yeah, and every night they will bring us like s'mores supplies, which I'm a big fan of. Okay. Oh, so that's bes- cute. It is really cute. So besides that, oh, and there's live music. So we get live music by the fire. Okay. Besides that, Joshua Tree, September 26th through 30th. That's one of our favorite annual retreats that we do nationally and you know, you can anticipate starry nights, sound baths, yoga, hiking, Joshua Tree National Park, and just a lot of fun. It's a great time. So it's all on our website, kayayogaschool.com. Check it out. And also, I know we have a lot of people that haven't met us. It's a great, we've had some people already sign up for Joshua Tree that we've never met uh, in person. So if you would like to experience us IRL, it's a really good time to come and you'll be like, wow, Bradshaw is as cool as he as he seems. So I like that. Yeah, and then you're, you're probably gonna be like, yeah, Bradshaw is as cool as he seems, but why are we sleeping on Gianna? She's really the heart and soul of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Getting, getting to our topic. So we are here today to talk about the difference between yin yoga and restorative yoga. Now I'm going to be very honest I don't know about as much. I don't know as much about restorative yoga as Gianna does because Rihanna, Rihanna, (laughs) Rihanna. Okay, I I get. I literally get Gina, but no one's called me Rihanna. Rihanna. I feel really cool. Yeah, you're Rihanna. 
No, Gianna did a uh, a training with Judith Hanson Lasseter, who really is the the mother of restorative yoga, not only in the West, but I would say in the world. She really is, you know, the founder, the creator of restorative yoga. And I was going to do that training, but I got this thing called COVID. And so <laughs> I decided to stay in San Francisco in an apartment and buy a condo in Chicago. And that's what I did that weekend. But unfortunately, I was Wait, not able you, to do that training. That's that when I bought. Yeah. Yeah, that was oh, the week that so I got my condo. Funny. Yeah, so um, I really wish that I was able to do that training with Gianna, but unfortunately I wasn't because obviously Gianna has way more knowledge when it comes to restorative yoga and the difference of restorative yoga and yin yoga. We wanted to do something that was a little more, um, let's say, technical or focused on style of yoga, because I do mm -hmm. think that this is one of these areas where people, we're not judging anyone. We're just saying a lot of people don't know the actual difference and they think that they are the same thing and they are not the same thing. Yin yoga and restorative yoga are two very different styles of yoga that get put into the same category. Mm -hmm. I also think, and this is including myself, that often yin yoga is taught if we're being more technical incorrectly mm -hmm. and, and, and I mean, and, and probably restorative, restorative yoga as well. And but that it's also, I think I, I want you to continue to hold your yeah. thought, but I think incorrectly in terms of like capital Y yin yes. capital R restorative. I just want to clarify that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So go on, go on. And one of the reasons that I think that that can get confusing Gianna, especially for people who, like me who typically mm -hmm. teach vinyasa is vinyasa isn't as linear. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, we take a little from here. We take a little from here and like, you know, and that's vinyasa where yeah. like if we're talking about like traditional capital Y yin and capital R restorative, that these things are not synonymous. Yeah. And I think that I would say from my experience of teaching, most students do not know that. Mm hmm. And so as someone who has, you know, I, I don't teach a restorative, uh, excuse me, I don't teach a yin class on my schedule, but I do sub it maybe once every couple of months. And mm -hmm. Gianna has really helped me in terms of my education of what is more traditional and what is not as traditional and how those two things differ. So I don't have, again, Gianna is more of the expert in this field. So I really want you to take the conversation um, farther and uh, maybe I can ask some questions along the way, but for you, like, what are, what are the two, what is the obvious difference? Let's start with the most obvious overarching difference of yin and restorative. Can you tell me that? Okay. First I'll go into the differences simply, and then I'll talk about each of them individually. So Yin yoga is about stretching. Mm -hmm. Restorative yoga is about opening. Now, let me explain that a little bit more. So in yin yoga, you are still and it's slow, just like restorative. And I think that's what makes it confusing and similar. And yes, you know, people mix them up and all of that. But you are stretching. You are working into the ligaments, joints, muscles, and fascia of the body. And the goal is to stretch. Whereas in restorative yoga, you're using props to support the body in positions of comfort and ease. 
And this is something that I've gotten from Judith Hanson Lasseter, who you mentioned. And once you're in these supported positions with all the props, the goal is to facilitate health and relaxation. And essentially, you may feel and stretch, but that's not the goal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The goal is not about stretching. It is about an opening from within. So you can have physical relaxation and also internal relaxation. And I'll get into this a little bit more later, but you want to be in a suspended state in each of your poses, similar to that of Shavasana. And that state's like a Pratyahara state, which is the suspension uh, or I not suspension, I should say, detachment from senses. So Judith likes to call this the hearing but not reacting. I like that. Okay, let me talk about yin a little bit more in depth now. Okay. So in yin yoga, the purpose of it is to affect the connective tissue or the fascia. This is like the outer casing around the muscle. And so if I can draw a visual comparison, I like to think of fascia, if, if you're not a vegan or vegetarian, you'll maybe get this image in your mind, but think of like a raw chicken breast when you're like holding a raw chicken breast and you see that thin, like white layer of like connective tissue. I've, that, I've literally that... never wanted to eat chicken. So like, I don't like chicken. <laughs> just saying, just you talking about the thin layer of fascia around the chicken breast really is not making me want, want chicken fingers right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, if anyone just needed a visual, that is how I think of fascia. And to be honest, like I've never seen fascia, like a human fascia in real life. And I know that there are, um, there's like these like cadaver workshops. Yeah, you can go. I would love you to can, do that with you. Wouldn't that be really cool? I've had like some, I know some people who have done it and they said it's really cool. Same. And so I know that um, yoga medicine, shout out to that program. They'll, they'll bring students to look at cadavers and look at fascia and all, all the things. So personally, I don't, I've never seen it. I'm just like using what I'm imagining to be the most standard thing that we have in visual reference, which is that chicken breast. So mm -hmm. yin yoga is meant to affect the fascia, the outer casing around the muscle. And in yin yoga, you want the bones to be supported enough that your muscles can relax so that once you disengage and relax the muscles, you can start to affect the fascia, the outer casing. So this will be like a deeper stretch, but it is not forceful. It's still a passive, slow style of yoga. And um, I think that's why it gets confused with restorative because restorative is also a very slow, restful practice. In a yin yoga class, you will only have a handful of postures and you'll usually hold those postures between like three minutes and 10 minutes and I'm being very general with this, but you'll hold these poses for a long time. And you want, again, those muscles to be turned off, the bones to be supported so that you can affect that connective tissue. And you may or may not experience a feeling of like length or release or like a deep stretch in those poses. I've done, I think I, you know, years ago, and again, I can't pinpoint the time or place, but I, I remember doing like a, a legit yin class and it was fucking hard for me. Mm -hmm. 
Like it wasn't, it was not, I did not find myself like, not that I was on, not that I was in pain. I wasn't in pain, but I found it uncomfortable. I found it Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable. Well, I think sometimes some of the most uncomfortable things about yin, and also this can be said of restorative as well, is this, the slowness, like the, the holding of the poses can produce mental discomfort in addition mm-hmm. to the physical. Mm-hmm. And I think though, like whenever we talk about pain or discomfort, this is true of any style of yoga. Like we really need to learn the difference of like what is helpful and what mm-hmm. is not helpful. And so I think in yin yoga, we're often confronted with that difference or what sometimes we call the edge. And I'm putting that in air quotes, we become more familiar and confronted with that in yin yoga because we're left there for a while. We're left to just be Be. with our senses and, and really get to know our bodies in a way. Is that what made you uncomfortable Brasher? Or was it, was it the mental or the physical? I think it was the, I think I, well, I think that those two often feed each other from my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the, that feeling of like not engaging and just stretching something. Yeah. Which I found like, I'm like, oh my God, how much longer are we here? Mm -hmm. Like it was a lot, like I, I think I'm like, I'm cautious about what I want to say. I think for me, restorative yoga would be way more beneficial for me yeah. than yin. I do yeah. want to just say one other thing about yin. I've never done an official yin training. I've just done mm-hmm. like a long weekend immersion. And I've also just read books by, you know, the founders of yin, which this could be a whole other discussion because we've got Paul Griley on one hand, we've got Polly Zink on the other. And I know that they're very similar in their Uh, contribution to the yin practice, but there's also some differences between Paul Greiley and Polly Zink. And then also uh, Bernie Clark, who I would say, um, I don't, I think is one of my favorite books. Bernie Clark's book on yin yoga is one that I would recommend for any yin practitioner. So I've read all of their books. I've learned from them, you know, secondhand. I haven't been Mm -hmm. in person in any of their trainings. But the weekend workshop that I did was with a student of Paul Greiley. So I would say I'm familiar with that lineage. Um, okay. And so- then also, Gianna, I'm just yeah. going to, this question comes up into my mind, which is like the use of props. Mm-hmm. Can I now, I know you're going to talk about the use of props in restorative, but can you kind of talk about the use of props in yin? Yes. Okay. And I think this is where things get, hazy depending on the lineage of yin or like where you've learned yin from from my understanding you want to enter into a pose without props so let's just say we're doing upavishta konasana which is a middle split and in yin it's called dragonfly so we are doing let's just say we're doing a middle split and you start to fold forward you want to pay attention to to sensation until the point where you kind of come up to that edge. And if you can hold it there and allow your muscles to disengage there without the use of props, then you just stay. But if it ever feels like, so you don't use props. So like, so again, I just want to confirm 
So I'm you're not, not going you're there's not a hard line of like no props and yin. Like you should use props if you need props, but you want to find that line for you. Like if you are coming into the fold and you're like, oh, my knees need to be bent really uh, you know, significantly, I, there's no way I can stay here in this position, then introduce the props because the, the goal is you want your bones supported so that your muscles can disengage. And so you will definitely need props, but it's a slower process of like learning about your body. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like we're sort of where we're taking all the props from the get go. And yeah, you're starting, setting, you're starting, we're with the props, starting like the- with the props. You kind of like feel into your body first, and then you add in the props as you settle into it. Now that's the way I was taught that you do need props and yin, but for example, and I will say this, um, lifetime, I worked at lifetime. They have a yin program. They call it surrender, but in that tradition, they, they say not to use props, like to never use props. And so Mm. I don't know like if that's more traditional or less traditional or not, because I haven't taken trainings directly. Mm. Some yin lineages will not use props. And then there's some that will use props. Like I'm kind of saying, like I'm an, I would advocate for like an in-between prop use. Like you're not settling into like this cushiony, luxurious, you know, set up the way restorative is, you do want stress to be applied to your joints and yin. And I, I haven't talked about restorative yet. Well, yet. I was going to say I wasn't, yeah, I'm not. So, yeah. so you do want, like you get that stretch into the fascia from stressing those joints, from yes. stressing the muscle. So and when mean- I did, I feel like when I did that yin class, I felt that stress. Yeah. Like there is, that's what gives you the stretch is the stress on the joint essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so you do want that if you have so many props where you don't feel the stress in the joint, then I wouldn't say that's as, you know, intentional with, or in line with the intentions of the yin practice. Mm -hmm. But then I know some people who teach yin where they go on the opposite end of the spectrum and they're laying on like five bolsters, they have their blanket and their sandbag and they're this and they're that. And it looks a little bit more restorative. And so that's where I think a lot of confusion comes into play of like, what's the difference between these two practices. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? I would. I would. I would definitely agree with that. Absolutely. So so I just want to repeat. Well, because I think that like when people, I think most people, correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, who's listening to this, most people who listen, who think about yin, they're like, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing a relaxing restorative class. Yeah. I I think that's the, that's the general assumption I would say from my experience. Yeah you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, they come into a restorative and they think it's supposed to be more like yin and like, oh, I don't get enough of a stretch. So, you know, like I'm just playing flip side for a second. Um, I think having some kind of clarification between the two is helpful, but I just want to add that, um, like, I don't think there's a hard rule with props in yin, but I do think that you need to make sure when you're using props that you still have some applied stress to the joints that you're not yes, like that makes overly very, that, cushioning. Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? that makes okay. you did a really good job of explaining that. That really for me, and I don't really understand anything, so that made a lot of sense. 
Um, I and think, I, I, oh, sorry, go on, go on. No, go on. you go. No, I think that one of the things about yin, just from a practitioner standpoint, mm-hmm. um, anytime I've practiced yin, I felt like I really got to know sensation more in my body. Like if we take that forward fold, for example, like when I start to fold without, you know, blocks under my knees or without something supporting my chest, like I get to know each layer of sensation one by one. And so from that standpoint, it is really helpful to just foster that connection to sensation, you know? And, and I think sometimes people, especially in a more yang style practice, like a vinyasa or an ashtanga class, which is this more energetic flowy class, like we often go into things so fast that, that like that connection to sensation and feedback is, I don't want to say not developed as much because of course it is, but it's no, but it's, 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 I think it's a little stifled. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, Um, and I think that, you know, um, when we're getting, you know, do you want to talk about restorative now? (laughs) Was that was that a good transition? Uh, And I think when um, no no no, I think that when you're talking about sensation and what what I've learned from you, and maybe this is a good segue, which is like what you have taught me about restorative is like the point of restorative is to regulate and calm your nervous system and be supported a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how I've really been because of, again I do I did not take a restorative training. Gianna is way more the expert in this field, but from what Gianna's told me, and Gianna can talk more about this, that like it's really focused on regulating and calming your nervous system. So mm-hmm. compared to like where is the stretch, where is the sensation? Um, yeah. Do you think that's yeah. a good jumping off point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, whereas, you know, yin yoga is working to affect the connective tissue, restorative yoga is working to affect the nervous system. And I think there are a lot of layers that can distract us from the nervous system. And so sometimes, you know, bodily sensation can distract you from, Mm -hmm. you know, the nervous system, sound music that can distract you from the nervous system. So Uh, In restorative yoga, which I just want to say comes from an Iyengar lineage with like a, um, with a tie to like a therapeutic style of yoga, um, you will use a ton of props. Like if you know about Iyengar yoga, you know that it's like props, props, props. And Judith, who Judith Hanson Lasseter, who was a student of Iyengar, went on to become a physical therapist and um, just took what she knew and practice and learned both from Iyengar and a little bit of her own research and experience and coined what I'm calling capital R restorative yoga. And I mm-hmm. do believe she has a trademark. I think it's on maybe rest, I think and, she does too. rest and restore or something like that. So, so there's that. Now, Judith teaches restorative yoga without music because music Mm -hmm. is a layer of distraction and each of the poses become really meditative. They're like meditative seats in a sense. And so whenever 
whenever you are setting up a restorative pose, you are trying to like to have maximum support. For example, if you're setting up a child's pose in a restorative yoga class, like you might have your knees on a blanket, you might have something in between your thighs and your calves, you're definitely going to have your bolster propped up on blocks in front of you. And then if that bolster's too low, you're going to have blankets between your chest and your bolster. And then now you're, you're let's just say you're, you're super comfortable in this child's pose, but where do your arms go? So like mm-hmm. literally everything supported. So then you would take more blocks for your arms, or you would use a strap around your bolster and strap your arms around the bolster to hug it in your child's pose. So like you don't the, want so I, anything to like hang or be stressed not only that but like when you 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 you, what you told me g is like since there's so many props a lot of the class two there's only you know you only do like three four poses at the most typically three right it depends on how long the class is i will do three or four poses in an hour in an hour and so much of that time is setting up Setting up the blocks, setting up the, the, the blankets, setting up like so much of it is setting up. And if you're going to, again, what Gianna's taught me, a more traditional capital R restorative class, you don't have a couple props. You have like tons, you have like six blankets, 10 blocks, like you have all of it. That's another reason why it's very hard to, to teach the more traditional style of restorative in a yoga studio because you mm-hmm. need one so many props and a lot of space. Yeah. You can't, you know what I mean? Like you can't teach 60 people in like a yoga room with like, if you're actually teaching legit restorative. Yeah. And I have to often do math depending on how many people are taking my class. I'll be like, okay, we have this many bolsters in the studio and I have this many students. How many bolsters can I have them take today? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just one. Sometimes like if I have a really tiny class, I'm like, yay, let's all take three bolsters. Let's have a yeah. party. Um, so, and then of course, from the teacher's perspective, you kind of have to adapt on the fly because you might not have an, enough of these props mm-hmm. or certain things that you have you know, in mind for your, your sequence and schedule. Um, but something about restorative yoga, um, besides it affecting the nervous system and really trying to bring it from that sympathetic state, which I think a lot of us operate in unknowingly just because of our society and culture and the go, go, go of everyday busyness, especially in, I guess, American culture. Um, is like moving from that state into the more parasympathetic state and to be able to just witness yourself, you know, living in the moment. And um, you're going to have distractions. Maybe there's going to be the thoughts in your mind or the cars passing by, because especially if it's in a a quiet room. And I know where I teach restorative yoga, we could hear the train and cars and lights and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it's not, you're not necessarily trying to like empty the mind and, and do nothing, like literally have just like this empty vessel, but you're actually observing how you respond to the stimulus. You're trying to, um, become, to become the witness and the observer. And I think something that Judith says, and I'm sure she's learned this from more, uh, from meditation practice or even like 
I, I can, I'm picturing or guessing like Buddhist practices is you're trying to be the witness of the thought rather than be the thought. And the analogy that I really like is just a, imagine you are observing a body of water and there's boats passing by. You want to just watch the boats pass by. You don't want to be on the boat. So that's kind of how I describe the experience of just being in a restorative pose. You may notice sensation. You may notice your thoughts. You may notice all of these external stimuli, but at the end of the day, your ability to be present with it and observe it without attachment, without being on the boat fosters this deeper connection to our innermost selves. And it provides, at least for me as a practitioner, like a really great sense of peace. So I know after I finish practicing restorative yoga, I do feel that parasympathetic state. I do feel like a really nice grounding sense of like calm and ease. Mm -hmm. And I think you bring up another, um, Another topic, which I think is really important related to restorative yoga, which is like not having music. And I will tell you, I've been swimming um, like three to four times a week right now. I've been doing a lot of swimming. And the thing that I'm really enjoying the most is not hearing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, just like it's become so meditative for me because it's like I'm so I love music. And I like, I'm constantly like many of us are distracted by noise. Mm -hmm. And so to turn that off, I think is just, yes, I think at the beginning it can be hard, but it's just, it's nice to just not hear anything. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we underestimate the amount of distraction that- And stimulation. And stimulation that music brings to the nervous system. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that complete silence can be very, very Very intimidating, uncomfortable uncomfortable and challenging, and maybe even um, triggering for Mm -hmm. people to just be left alone with themselves. And so I know I know that my classes, because I teach a very traditional style of restorative yoga compared to maybe a lot of people in Chicago that I've experienced, Um, and I'm really only speaking from my experience. Um, I know that maybe people will love the silence and people will hate it, but I think it Mm -hmm. is very, very, very rare to have a moment of quiet in this day and age. Oh my gosh. We are always being stimulated, whether it's like doom scrolling or like chatter, kids, animals, street noises, like everything. There's just so much. So I think honestly, like being able to be uncomfortable until that becomes less uncomfortable is just like the first step. Like silence will start to be less uncomfortable the more you do it, except when you have some, you know, traumatic link to something. I I just want to acknowledge that. Like I know. Yeah, of course it can be very. Yeah. I think, I think that goes without saying, um, I also think that, uh, what was I going to say? Even in my vinyasa classes, this is something that I've been trying to do, which is like, I never start with music. I haven't done that in a while. And I also like, I'm very, very conscious about not trying to fill the space Mm -hmm. with sound or talking. And uh, I think that that's a lesson 
that restorative yoga can teach us, mm-hmm. you know, that all styles of yoga, but in restorative yoga, it's just like, just be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, the point. perfectly said, I think a lot of times in several different styles of yoga, like even yin, I think people will get caught up and I've seen this before. Correct me if I'm or not correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me if you've seen this before, like, cause I have taught yin. Uh, I, I taught yin for, uh, consistently at lifetime in their lineage. And I taught yin at other studios, um, you know, regularly. And I would see people in yin classes, like really trying to force them into like, yeah, to, like, get deep, deep into like, like, I would see people, let's just take that middle split, the dragonfly for a second. I would see people like pulsing their torso and like forcing and forcing. I've seen people who would put like blocks on their backs, like trying to get some sort of like weight to push them down. And it's like, we get so caught up in thinking that we need to be doing more in yeah. certain yoga practices. So this is my point. I like, think that that's an analogy also for our the world we live in. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, in, in vinyasa classes, I'm sure if anyone who teaches vinyasa or even takes vinyasa, like you might glance at your neighbor and if you're in a forward fold and you're touching your knees, but your neighbors has their hands under the feet, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you feel tempted to like have your hands under your feet. Like mm-hmm. there's always this like emphasis on like more being better and like, yes. like never enough Do do achieve this, do that. It's not right. Da, da, da. Whereas I think well, one, I don't think you should force yourself into anything in yin either, but I think something that restorative yoga does really well is show us that less is more, honestly, like not in terms of props In props, more is more. And that's great, but doing less Mm -hmm. and just allowing yourself to be exactly as You you are is what like just teaches you that we're enough. We don't have to change. We don't have to be doing more. Like we are inherently perfect exactly as we are. And I think that this is a really kind of um, a great kind of cap on this discussion, which is, I think you bring up a good point in restorative yoga. I think a lot of people feel guilty for resting. I think that people feel badly for not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like they constantly have to do stuff. And I think that from how you are describing and how you teach restorative yoga, I think a lot of us need more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's just, it's like, just like you, like the, we should, we should really work on not feeling guilty for resting mm-hmm. and for taking care of ourselves. 100%. And I think I I do truly, truly think the world needs more of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I encourage everyone to try it and just like give yourself the gift of literally doing nothing and just like allowing yourself to be and just I mean, take also, a pause. Also, you know, Gianna can teach you, um, you know, if you get the prop, she can, she also teaches via Zoom. So mm-hmm. if you want to take take a private, just because Gianna has had the education with like what is considered the godmother godmother of um, restorative <laughs> yoga, Judith Hanson last year. And if you don't know her, you should definitely look her up. Yeah. And I recommend her books. Like she has so many great books. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say one other thing. And maybe this is like a caveat. Talking about these like capital Y yin mm-hmm. and capital R restorative yoga practices, like I really place 
value on those because I think that there's something about tradition and lineage yes. that, that I, I really respect. And I think that, um, besides just respecting the lineage and tradition, I think there's something to, to be learned from it. And specifically with restorative yoga, because I admittedly know more about this than I do yin. Um, like the fact that it's intended to be a certain way and like the, and there's a reason behind and it. And there's a reason behind it. Exactly. And it's like, oh, we're trying to, you know, affect the nervous system and, and whatever. Well, I think that that's really important because I think that you and I are people who, um, things can be nuanced, like things are not linear yet. At the same time, there are re like the reason that I get so frustrated with a lot of people, they're, they're like, you do yoga and yoga is just a very massive umbrella term. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what, what style of yoga? These styles of yogas are very different and provide you something with a different, a very different experience. So mm -hmm. it's important that these things are separated because they're separated for a reason. And if they're taught in the way that they're meant to be taught, there's less confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, but there is like a, that gray area spectrum in both of these practices. Like I, I wanted to have like one other, I don't know if it's a caveat or whatever, but like yin yoga is still going to, if, if you're just chilling and opposed, like you still may get some of those like parasympathetic benefits, you know, that the restorative yeah, is focused on and then vice versa, like everybody is different. So if you're, even if you're using all the props and you're doing, you know, a very supportive, uh, pose in a restorative class, depending on where you hold tension, you still might feel a stretch mm -hmm. and an opening in the body. And I just want to say one other thing, because restorative yoga comes from Iyengar, there are some poses that are very, very, uh, like traditional Iyengar poses, for example, like you can do a down dog in a restorative class with blocks. So you still are going to have some muscular engagement. You're not going to hold it for 20 minutes. Like some of the other poses, you might hold it for two, but like you will see, uh, props used in a way where like you still have to engage. And so, so there's a little bit of gray spectrum and even mm -hmm. in these like capital letter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yoga things. And I think, um, as you said, and as I just want to reiterate, like we, we, we like to know why things are done the way they're done and things like that, but because of this gray area, and I want to say maybe people running with that gray area <laughs> and like adapting and creating their own practice from it, I think it creates a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, like I can find myself feeling like the yoga police where I'm like, that's not real yin. Like I remember, this is a good example. I'll give a shout out. Me and my friend, Megan Treber, who teaches out in New York, we went to this yin class together and she's actually like traditionally trained, you know, yin teaches it all the time. And we took this class and it was supposed to be a yin class. And we we're like sitting in easy pose, inhale, reach up, exhale, twist, inhale, reach up, exhale, twist the other way. You're doing a vinyasa Forward, class. We were doing like a hatha class. Like we were mm. moving, even though we were seated and like lying down for the majority of the class, we were moving. We were not holding poses for three to 10 minutes. And after class, this was like, oh, this was so long ago. This is before I took my yin training. So I just looked at her because I knew she taught it. And I was like, um, was that yin? <laughs> I was like, is that yin? Because I thought it just seemed like a very gentle hatha class. Mm -hmm. And she's like, 
no, not at all. Not at all. And we just kind of laughed, but I thought to myself, did I have a good experience? Yes. Did my body feel good after? Yes. Did I feel a little bit calmer? Yes. But then once I did that yin workshop and learned more, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not yin at all. Like we did not hold poses. We did not stress the connective tissue. And so, and I think that exists in restorative too. Like people take restorative as the, you know, just for meeting, they take it to their meeting, like, oh, what's restorative? And they run with that. They're like, okay, I'll have them lie down here and lie down there. Mm, and I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, gentle side bends and, you know, a little forward fold. And then it just becomes its own thing that is its own thing. <laughs> like a gentle class is not a restorative class. I agree with you, but I think in some studios it might be. I mean, mm. like, I, and I'm not trying to, no, it's just th- th- I, again, like but this is where no, me neither. I'm just saying, but this is where things get confusing. This is where mm-hmm. language is important, and it can get confusing, and it's very hard when everyone's kind of on a different page. I'm, it's, I'm and it's not. I'm not blaming it on studio owners or teachers or anything like that. I'm just saying that like it's confusing. I, yeah, I think it creates a lot of confusion for students because if they go in anticipating one thing and then they get something completely different. They're like, wait, I thought I was getting this. Like I often feel intimidation. I I want to say if someone takes my restorative class, but they've only been taking restorative, I'm doing in quotes mm-hmm. classes that have, you know, soft music and gentle stretching. So they come to my class and they're anticipating that soft music and gentle stretching. And then I have them in the quiet holding like a very supported soup to bada kanasana for 15 minutes. And I'm like, are they going to be bored out of their mind? Yeah. Are they going to be like, what the hell is that? And I just, I obviously know that I know what I'm doing and I have confidence in that, but I also know that like that will resonate with someone. And so and if it doesn't re- resonate with this person, I will find the people it does resonate with. But I, I do sometimes like empathize with students who get very confused about what they're getting into. Yeah. And I I think we've had this experience just from teaching vinyasa for so long. You know, I would teach a candlelight vinyasa and then get like a bad review on class pass saying it was, wasn't slow and stretchy. And they just saw candlelight and thought it would be like a gentle class. And so, I mean, that's why reading's important, but also- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's like, uh, you know, just knowing what you're getting into plays a really a big part big of role. It. Yeah. Yeah. And one last thing I want to say before we get into funny stories is that I know there's so much nuance here and like Bradshaw and I both have been upfront with like, we have not done a yin training. Like this is our understanding from the experience we have as students and like the workshop I took, but if there's so much more to this conversation that, um, I'd love to hear from all of you about. So like if you are listening and you teach yin, if we missed out on some points that would be really good to make. Yeah, we're, like, yeah, we're not saying like, we're experts. <laughs> we're not No, experts, but I, so. I think it would be cool to hear from you like slide or in have towards... someone or someone on someone on the podcast that like is yeah, you know, has like, practiced yin for a long time or has a lot of experience with the practice for sure. We'd love to hear if, from if you. If you've trained with Mm-hmm. either of the Pauls, <laughs> the Paul squared, so, have, you, have you trained with Paul squared or, um, and, and I, I mean, I didn't get into this, but I know that they differ in their, uh, approaches approaches. I, I can't remember which is which, but I remember reading that one of them is like, this is yin and this is only yin, and the other 
one is more like yin could be anything and mm -hmm. so like there is so much gray area there so if this is your a specialty dm us let us know what we're missing maybe we'll have you on the podcast i just think it's the start of a, another discussion for sure so bradshaw what is the funny thing about yoga this week Okay, the funny thing about yoga, and I'm going to relate it to restorative, is like my biggest fear about taking a restorative class is not coming down and sleeping and specifically snoring. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I know I would snore and I like, I know that you would come over and help me, but yeah. I think I would tell you before class and be like, I'm going to snore. So like before we started, I would have you like know that so mm -hmm. you could come up and put me in it because that's like a fear of like being in a quiet room and being like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that if snoring, <laughs> I mean, when someone falls asleep, I just let them like, they probably mm -hmm. need that. I mean, the goal is to be suspended in that like state between sleep and, you know, wakefulness. Um, but, but if you are snoring, that's something that I will probably wake you up for and try to like get you in that liminal state because we don't want to distract other people too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd have I you bring I your also, CPAP. I'd be like, hey, come to class, bring your CPAP. Bring your CPAP. <laughs> That's my other prop. That's my prop is my CPAP. Um, but I think that what would be really fun because you wrap yourself in so many blankets as if they wrapped us together. <laughs> oh. um, and you and I could have a intimate time just as friends, just as friends, nothing sexual. But um, yeah, for okay, you, so, G, is yeah. there anything, is there anything, is there anything related to yin or restorative that you have a funny story about and if you don't that's okay i do but it's funny because it's not related to a restorative class so i teach this tuesday morning class where it's just a regular vinyasa and there's this woman who comes in from time to time and she comes in with the most frantic energy and she <laughs> always comes in like just like two minutes before class starts like mm. she's not that early but she comes in she like throws her shit everywhere she's like double layered her mats like just picture the most chaotic person you've ever seen enter a room but then <laughs> she will grab a thousand props as if it's a restorative class so she'll grab like four blocks with that bolster, energy with that with energy. this chaotic energy and then like i'm not kidding there'll be like one minute before class starts and she'll set up a Supta Baddha Konasana, like every single time with a million props. And then she literally just like lays down butterfly shaped legs, lays down on her bolster with her arms spread to a T. And it's as if she's just like letting out this big sigh of relief where she's like, <laughs> <laughs> I made it. Like, like the chaos is real, but then it's just like this. <sighs> and then I have to be like, okay, we're starting class child's pose. <laughs> she's like, not even in the pose she just spent oh my god like ten, 10 minutes like getting into <laughs> i'm like People why don't so you weird. actually you're like you, you should just come, come to restorative class or no just literally come 10 15 minutes early if you want mm -hmm. that big restorative pose before class but you're you're coming here two minutes early yeah and we're we're like chop chop this is vinyasa we're beginning okay it's so funny because there's i there's a student at a um, one of the gyms that i teach at and they're always late. They're always two minutes late. Always two minutes, like on the dot. They're not super late, but they're always late. Mm -hmm. And it's always like two minutes. And they're like, they walk in, they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you, and it's fine because this person's been coming to my class for years. It's, you know, like years. And she's, they're very, very quiet with like when they enter, like they're not disruptive. But still, I'm just like, 
girl, you know what time the class is. Mm -hmm. It's a Saturday morning. You're not working. What are you doing? <laughs> people are just chronically late. Like I used to be one of those people until I like started. Okay. Teaching. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this for everyone that is chronically late. It's not, a, it's not like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. You're just late. I think you just need to learn to like prioritize things that differently and manage your time. Like you got to lie to yourself. Be like, if this starts at 8 a.m., pretend it starts at 7.50. I don't know. Just lie to yourself. That's what I do. And I stop being so late. Yeah, I um, lie to myself about being mentally stable and that works. <laughs> well, last little question I have for you before we wrap up, because I'm wondering if you ever feel bad in those moments. Like I just told that story where this person just set up in the soup to bada kanasana. Like if you ever have a whole class, like waiting for class to start and they're in a reclined position, but you know, you're starting them in child's pose. Do you ever feel bad? Are you ever like, Oh, let me take them out of this. I'm like, Oh, they no. look so comfortable. You don't care. You're like, whatever. No, I'm like, let's start the class. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come here to watch you lay in soup to bada, Okay. So shut up and get into child's pose and relax. Sometimes um, literally if my whole class is laying down, but I know that I want to start them. Are you going to just start them in the opposite direction? No, literally sometimes I'm like, oh, they're all laying down. I can't move them. Maybe I'll just start them on their backs today, so even nice. though it's even though it's not part of my sequence. I'm like, all right, I'll roll. No, with I'm it. like, I'm like, get up, Susan, Mary, and Paul. Get into child's pose and stop talking. <laughs> the worst um, thing you could do is be like, okay, everyone, we're starting in mountain. <laughs> They'd be like, oh God. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I hope this is educational. I thought this is a really great conversation. And thank you to Gianna for educating me and everyone listening. If you have any questions related to restorative or to yin, or you have more input message us, slide into our DMs. You can message us through our website as well. And we hope to see you all soon. Be kind to yourself, keep practicing. And that's it. That's all we got. Goodbye. We love you. Bye everyone.